The Perfect Ten with Steve Allen, voice of the NRL and six-time Radio Award winner. This is part two with one of the world's best big wave surfers, Justin Orport, better known as Jughead. This episode, Jug elaborates on the worst wipeout of his life at Cape Fear in Sydney. And he reveals that he doesn't make any money. He does it simply for his love of the sport. So let's get cracking. I asked Jug about his support team. Who's around when it's time to chase a big swell? I like to travel a lot by myself and just meet people like locals that live in the area. When I go to Tasmania, I stay with uh, Marty Paradisis, a local guy down there, and I've never travelled down with a photographer before or anything like that. But wherever I go, if I think I need photos or video or anything like that, I just like to hook up with locals at, at the spot and not really bring anyone with me. I really love travelling by myself. I do have one or two guys like Russell Ord from Western Australia. He invited me over to surf um, Cyclops near Esperance once and uh, he lives a long way from there but there's no locals there that surf there. Tony Harrington from uh, Wombrel. I've gone to Ghost Trees with him and catch up a lot with him in Hawaii because he hangs there a lot and I've done three trips to South Australia with Tony. Oh, and, and a Mavericks trip. Spencer Hornby, I've done a couple of trips with him. He's a local guy too, and yeah, he's a good photographer to hang around. How does it work? Do you get a phone call saying that on the other side of the world, there's a swell on its way? Like, how much notice do you get before you've got to drop everything, including your gig as a firefighter, and head to the airport? Well, heaps of people ask me that question. Like, does someone just call you? And I'm thinking, who? Who calls me? And it, like I get that all the time, and and most of the time it's just me looking at the weather maps. And yeah, I thought it might be like Batman, like there's some yeah. kind of signal, and then you're off. Yeah, that's what everyone says to me. Like, like, do you just get the phone call and you go? And I'm like, not really. I just like study the weather maps, and if it just so happens it lines up with my work and my family life, then I'll go. And sometimes it doesn't line up, and I'm just sitting at home crying because I can't get to that purple blob on the other side of the planet. But and or even it could be at the other side of the country. My good mate Marty Paradisus in Tasmania, he does ring me sometimes and go, "Hey, you should get on this one." But most of the time when, when he rings me, he's like, get on this one because no one else is. And a lot of the times down there, it could be 20 foot and I'll never go just because I know there's going to be a lot of guys traveling to hit it at 20 foot and I'll go down when it's 10 or 12 foot and there's not as many guys. So some places are just too crowded that I can't handle it. So I just prefer to go on a smaller swell when there's less crowd. Is it similar to the movie uh, Storm Riders, Tommy Carroll and Ross Clark Jones, where there's like a scientific team? Definitely. And uh, I'd say 15, 20 years ago, it was a lot harder and you had to be a lot more knowledgeable. But these days with websites like Surfline and Swellnet, you can just, you know, if you subscribe, you can get the forecast notes that a professional's written up three times a week and it's a lot easier. You know, and, but they won't always tell everyone, you know, the perfect spot and stuff like that and or even the well-known spot that's under the radar for us guys but yeah if i rang them i'm sure they'd tell me but i remember 10 years ago probably 15 years ago flying down to tasmania because there's a huge swell and we're like we're going to get shippies on the direction of the swell just was like way too west we had no idea we just seen this huge swell and thought it was going to be on and the winds would look good but the swell had so much west so now it's like you're looking calculating degrees if it's five degrees out like you could not get big waves 
mm. even on a huge swell. So you, we've really got to yeah work out each different location in the world and uh, think about the swell direction, swell height, mainly swell period, as well as the winds and stuff like that. How do you train for big wave surfing? Oh, you know what? I don't train. <laughs> I don't, I... Uh... Well, you've got to be honest on the perfect 10. <laughs> well, I know, you know what, I trained for a lot of years and so many years went by, when, especially when my kids were young and I just didn't get to go and chase these waves and I was like, far out. And then, and then like, four years would go past and I'd go and have a big wave and I'd go, wow, I did all right for having no training. <laughs> and uh, you know what, I think it's more 50% physical, 50% mental in big waves. However, if you're not 100% physically fit, you know, you're not going to be 100% mentally fit then, are you, if you're not physically, because you know that you're not physically as fit as you should be. So so I, I've, I've winged it for a fair bit. I, but you know what? When I say I don't train, as long as I keep in the water, surfing, you know, surfing's the best fitness for surfing. So as long as you're doing that, probably three times a week, and then you've got that you've got that mental game as well. Then then you should be fine. The other key factor is I saw a video where you spoke about one breath. Can you elaborate on that? Because when you do wipe out or when you fall off in some of these locations, you're down for a long time. Yeah, uh, the Lung Foundation got about ten different people to do a little thing on on just one breath, and uh, and they asked me, and I was stoked that they asked me, and that video that you've seen would have been from that and they just asked me what i could do with one breath and i was like well just one breath can fill your lungs with enough oxygen to uh withstand a two or three wave hold down and for people that don't know what a two wave or three wave hold down is like you're only underwater for between 15 and and 20 seconds on a two wave hold down but that's not like holding your breath for 15 20 seconds it's more like holding your breath for like three to four minutes because when you're holding your breath and you're getting rolled around and the impact and and sometimes not even be able to take a full breath before you go down. It just sucks all the oxygen out of your uh, out of your whole body. So it's like just quickly. It was like I went for a run one day, and I thought, how long can I hold my breath for while I'm running in the soft sand? And six seconds was the how long I could hold. And I thought, wow. So then I tried to translate that into my body moving around in the wipeout underwater. And then I realised that's why you can only hold your breath for like. 20 seconds in a big wipeout because you're just using so much oxygen in all your muscles and it's just getting sucked out of you so yeah that's sort of like trying to explain it to people that haven't had a bad wipeout you must have been delighted with the red bull feature story on yourself and your family i think it's been watched by about seventy thousand people in the last couple of years was that where you had one of your worst wipeouts uh yep Definitely. At the time, I didn't even realise. Even when I surfaced, I didn't realise that was one of my worst wipeouts because when I hit underwater, like my shoulder blades and my head hit the rock shelf and I thought it was just my shoulder. I didn't even realise my head had hit. And as I was swimming to the top, I nearly sort of gave up. I really just thought, I just gave up swimming to the top and and it wasn't because I thought I wasn't going to get there or anything like that. I, I don't know why, I just gave up. And once I got to the top, I seen these guys coming in to grab me and um, Ryan Hipwood jumped off a jet ski. So there's no one on the jet ski, biggest swell ever on the East Coast that I can ever remember. Five metres from the rocks, I'm like, what's this freak doing jumping off a ski? <laughs> like, wow, he's a weirdo. <laughs> I didn't know. It was just all slow motion sort of stuff. And then other guys started swimming towards me. I'm like, what is their problem? I'm like, But I was like real lethargic and just real sort of out of it. And then they asked me, I, I said, just ring my wife. She's on the cliff and... They said, what's a, what's a phone number? And I know it every day of the week, but I just could not get it out of my head. And I'm just like, what is it? I don't know. Oh, four, oh, oh. And I was like, wow. And then I realized oh, I've hit my head, yeah. Are the 
newspaper reports correct? Were you in tears that day because your family was watching from the cliff? And this is Cape Fear, by the way, if people want to check this out online. Yeah, I, when I couldn't get hold of my wife on the phone and and uh, and I was like, someone radio the beach marshal to tell them that I'm okay and stuff like that. And when it wasn't going through, I started thinking, oh, my three kids and my wife are up there. And I definitely got emotional. I was like, I got teary and... Even like I've had a few interviews about it, and I've got teary thinking about it before. Yeah, I definitely I was I was upset because I thought they were watching me and thinking that the worst had happened, but because they didn't know I was okay. Yeah, you feel like there's a lot of testosterone, and it's a macho sport, big wave surfing. Uh, just tell our listeners what your stats are. So, are, are you five three? <laughs> I'm not very tall. I'm about five foot seven, maybe. And uh, where'd I get five three from? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the board I ride. And what are you weighing in at? Oh, 71. Yeah, 71 kilos. <laughs> I'm not much of a man. <laughs> no, incredible though, because you you do think of a big wave charger and like you're small in stature. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm definitely. With all due respect, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely no Laird Hamilton. By the way, are you sponsored? Do you make money from these trips? I know you're a full-time firefighter, of course, but is this like a side hustle for you? Yeah, I, I'm not really hustling. I'm not really, I'm not getting any money. I just do it because I love it. And uh, Ocean and Earth uh, Surf Accessories, they have like to help me out whenever I've asked for help. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm staggered that you kind of, this isn't fully funded for you, being one of the best in the world. I've never really asked for any money, but every now and then if I do a trip, they'll offer me some money to help towards the airfare and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I've never really chased anything like that because I don't know, I'm just doing it because I love doing it. That is part two with big wave surfer, Justin Orport. And for the first time in Perfect 10 history, we're back for a third episode. Hope you enjoyed this edition of The Perfect 10, and we'll catch you next time. The Perfect 10.